I had just started staying home and I was like, wow, before long, I was like, this sucks. Like, I am not happy. I don't know what the heck to do with her. This is way, like, I should know what to do. I'm like, I've, I had worked with kids my whole life, been coaching children since I was 13, all the way until I had Stella. I was, I was like, I know kids, I know kids. <laughs> like, why isn't this working? And so. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor, and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia, who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia, and our life seemed to turn upside down for a while, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, friend. Welcome to episode 53 of the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb, here to educate you on dyslexia and how to create and maintain strong families while thriving as a mom. Have you been wondering how you can parent without being too permissive or maybe just too firm, one side or the other, how to parent with compassion, how to be understanding. (laughs) I'll tell you, it's hard to find that middle ground, especially on days when your strong-willed child is testing you yet again. Am I right? Many times our children with dyslexia, they need that transition time. They need time to transition between activities, locations, many things. And our kiddos can be strong-willed, intense, and sensitive. So one strategy that we're going to talk about today, I've got a guest on the show, Wendy Snyder from the Fresh Start Family Podcast, and we're going to be talking about how to foster that positive family relationship by using the family meeting. And to get you started, I created a free ebook for you. I'll tell you where you can get a copy of that at the end of the show. But let's talk more about Wendy. She's going to be on the show today. She has a background in positive parenting. She has been a positive parenting teacher and family coach. She's been helping families parent with great purpose and intention. And she believes in creating healthy, respectful, and cooperative relationships. She's also a certified parent educator of redirecting children's behavior. So... Enjoy our conversation about cactus kids. You're going to learn what that means and how we can seek to understand our power kids. All right. Good morning. I'm so excited to have Wendy Snyder with us today from Fresh Start Family Show. She has her podcast and I'm just so excited to dig in and learn so much more about her and introduce her to you. So without further hold back or ado, let's welcome Wendy to the show. Good morning, Wendy. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So I, I'd love for you to do, uh, you know, introduce yourself for people that don't know you. Uh, I'd love to know a little bit about your story and what brought you to Fresh Start Family. I love the name of your podcast and your business. I just think it's very refreshing in general. And so I think that's an amazing name and it very much goes right along with your brand. And so I would love for you to share with the audience, you know, what brought you there? What brought you here? (laughs) Yes. Oh, I would love to share more. So I found the work of positive parenting back when my daughter was three. So when my little girl 
came into the world. Her name's Stella. She's 13 now. So it was about a decade ago that I found the work of positive parenting. Um, but I could tell from the time she came into this world that she had this beautiful, strong will about her. Honestly, from birth, everything did not go as planned. <laughs> it really rocked my world as an emergency C-section, absent birth. Um, thank God we're both still alive. But everything just went, did not go to planned. And I think it was the first uh, realization that parenthood was going to be something that was um, a lot, you know, not the tradition, like not what we had thought, I think as parents, Terry and I um, fell in love really early when I was 17, he was 19. We've been together forever. And we just always thought, you know, you work hard, you put your head down and uh, things will come to you. Like you'll, you'll be able to reach your dreams if you just work hard, educate yourself, follow a plan. And, and, and then with Stella, it was kind of like, no, hello, you're raising a human soul. This isn't going to all be just like exactly as planned. Right. <laughs> By the time she became a toddler, um, I had decided to leave my career in corporate America. I was in marketing and my little guy came along. Um, he had colic also. So he was my second child with colic. So the first three months of his life, he just cried and cried and cried. And I had just started staying home and I was like, wow, before long, I was like this sucks. Like I am not happy. I don't know what the heck to do with her. This is way like, I should know what to do. I'm like, I've, I had worked with kids my whole life. I was like a, a diving coach. I had been coaching children from the age, you know, since I was 13 all the way till I had Stella, I was 30. I was like, I know kids. I know kids. <laughs> like, why isn't this working? And so, you know, she was in timeouts 50 times a day. And um, I just kept telling her to stop it. And she would just push back. And it was just dark. It was a dark season where I felt guilty because honestly, I didn't, I didn't really like her. I just would look my husband in the eye and be like, when he would go to work each day and I'd be like, why? Like, do you have to leave? Because I honestly, I don't think I can do this. And I would look at this precious little infant and this three-year-old and just think like, something is wrong with me. Something's wrong with her because this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like a child is not supposed to push back this much. And <laughs> I, I at the time was starting to dip down into like super reactive stuff that I'm like, who am I? Like, I swear <laughs> I am like a positive happy girl. Like I, like, I, I don't know. I just always was until I became a parent and had a strong-willed child. And then I would have days where I was just like, I don't even know who I am. But if someone was like peeking through the windows and saw me, they'd probably think I'm a crazy person. So long story short, thank God, um, her preschool offered a free positive parenting class called Redirecting Children's Behavior. And um, from the moment I walked into that classroom and started learning new ways to work with this beautiful little strong-willed soul, who at the time I, I did not describe like that, but as soon as I started to learn new ways to understand her misbehavior, new ways to see her in a positive light, um, understand that she was perfectly normal, there was nothing wrong with her, she wasn't broken, we didn't need to, um, think that she needed to be fixed. She was a very unique, special, incredible young girl who um, we just had to learn how to work with her instead of try to make her change. So the light really started to come back to my day and everything changed. And she started to behave a lot better once I changed the way I talked to her, 
the way I saw her, the way we disciplined her. Um, and so I knew before long that I had to teach. And that's when I started teaching in person. I became a certified positive parenting educator, which led me down the path of um, getting really entrenched in life coaching courses. And that's when I became a certified positive parenting I'm sorry, a certified um, family life coach. And then a few years down the road, I thought, I really want to help not just families in my own town. I'm in Southern California, but I really want to like kind of preach, like scream this message from the mountaintops. So families from all over the world, no matter how small of a town you live in, in middle, middle America, in the middle of Europe or wherever you are across the planet, you can also learn the psychology that's underneath this work and have it change your life. And so that's when I created Fresh Start Family Online, where I now teach um, parents all over the world through, I have a few different positive parenting courses online. I have a membership program called The Bonfire. That's a month to month, super encouraging um, community that includes just some, some incredible stuff that's changing lives in pretty deep capacities. And uh, we have a podcast, like you mentioned, the Fresh Start Family Show. My husband co-hosts that with me and we're just soup. This is our jam. Like we love helping families who get into a place where they're like, this is kind of kicking my butt. And um, they just, they are open to learn new ways, expand their hearts, strengthen their family. And that's what we love to do. Thank you so much. Yes. And you know, we'll dig, we'll dig in there in a second, but I, I wanted to share with you too. So our, you know, the moms that I work with, they're either, you know, in their journey of raising children with dyslexia, or they're just starting that journey. And they're, you know, so much of your work, I really, uh, you know, resonate with because so much of it is trying to figure out, and you're right. Like we knew very early on that our daughter Hattie was very strong willed and we too had different expectations going into that as parents, because you just, you really don't know until you're there. Right. And, and it was just, yeah, it was just very different than what we expected. However, I think just the journey of working with children with dyslexia is that they have so much internal you know, just struggle and a lot of emotional baggage around dyslexia, especially depending on when they learn as to why can't I read? Why can't I write? Why can't I spell my name? And so I think for, you know, well, I know so for the parents that, you know, follow this show is that there is just a struggle to figure out, you know, the academic piece and the emotional and social piece. And then how do I wrap that up to be to do that in a way that is not punitive, you know, that's not, you know, how, how do I go about creating that positive atmosphere? So can you, for those that might not be as familiar with positive parenting, how do you define that for your community? So positive parenting in my eyes, I guess there's, there's probably a lot of ways to define it, but I really find that it's finding the middle ground between too firm and too kind, which I had a beautiful guest on our show point out to me. She's like, there's actually no too kind. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. So it's really the, the middle ground between too firm, which is kind of the classic way that many of us were raised, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. my way or the highway, do what you're told or else. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, kids are, <laughs> you just listen or else. And then permissive, which is where there's not a lot of rules. Kids rule the roost. Um, they can do whatever they want. And parents kind of have a hard time setting boundaries. So right in the middle is this beautiful, firm and kind 
road that um, is incredible, that that gets parents really great results while staying connected with their kids. And so I think the reason why it's called, you know, positive parenting and the way I, the reason I call it that is because it's based on positive psychology. So the, um, the work of Dr. Rudolf Dreikers is what's underneath a lot of this. So he was a mid-century renowned child psychologist who studied the reasons why children misbehave, and really all humans. Um, his work is once parents learn about um, their children's misbehavior, they realize it's exactly the same for adults because as adults, we have misbehavior too. And so there's four different categories of misbehavior that he teaches us about, um, it, power, revenge, inadequacy, and attention. And then he also teaches us about how we all have needs, the need to belong, the need to feel powerful. Yes, that's a human healthy need. Um, the need to feel loved and give loved and, um, you know, a, a few others. But the big ones are belonging and power that really come into our parenting world. And a lot of people just aren't, they don't, they've never heard that before. So to, to try to understand that when their child Try, you know, wants to feel powerful, that there are ways that we can help our children feel powerful. And that is healthy to teach our children like, hey, it's this, here's where you can feel powerful. It's not okay to feel powerful by arguing with me, by being disrespectful, by seriously pushing back every time I ask you to put your shoes on. Like that's an inappropriate way to feel powerful. Here's all the healthy ways that I'm going to teach you how. So it's, um, it's got this beautiful underlying positive, positive psychology undercurrent to it. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just about staying connected. So teaching with integrity, staying connected, um, having a relationship be the main driver in your influence with your children versus the classic four, which is fear, force, bribery, and rewards. That's what most of us were kind of what we inherited when we have children. You don't need anybody to teach you that. Like you're probably going to be able to like threaten <laughs> a three-year-old pretty easily. You know, we're three times their size sometimes more. We, we own all the money. Like we can take away their, their toys in a second. We can withhold sugar. We can, you know, lay harm or um, intimidate them pretty easily. So it's the other stuff that I find um, that really takes courage to learn. Like how do you actually influence a, um, another human little soul to do what you want because you're inspiring them, because you're compassionate with them, because you're patient with them, because you're showing them the way. That's what we do here at Fresh Start Family. Thank you for that. And, and, you know, when you were talking about all that, I was thinking too, especially from the belonging and power standpoint, you know, for, for our kids, they're, you know, many times with our dyslexic kids, they have such a hard time during the day. Like their whole school day is really a challenge as far as just getting through that day, whether it's trying to read that science, you know, assignment or it's social or whatever it may be. So I find that a lot of the moms I work with, you know, their kids hold it together all day long. And when they get home, they fall apart because it's the safe place to do that. Right. But it's also, we get all that, yeah. right. Like they bring all that, that, and part of it is that belonging piece that they don't feel like they fit in at school. They look over and see their friend writing beautiful sentences or whatever it might be that they can't do. They don't have any power at school to figure out how, how can I be successful, but they know they're not being successful. And then they, they, you know, many times hold it together literally, and then they get home and it's the safe place, 
but you as the mom, you're, you're getting that short end of that stick, so to speak, right? Like we're getting that. And I think the way as parents, we decide to react to that. And I think some of it is a reaction instead of being proactive and knowing, you know what, today might be a hard day. Every day may be a hard day and having that, like you were saying, that relationship and staying connected. And so I love that you talk about those pieces because I don't think that when, when we're in the middle of it with our own children, it is hard to see that, right? I mean, it's just hard to see that because I know too, even early on with our daughter, I mean, I, I, I too came from a family where my, my dad was a little bit older and it was, you know, don't speak unless you're, you know, spoken to and, you know, seen and not heard and all that stuff. And that still is in my head. Like I hear him say those things and he's been gone a while now. Um, but you know, I think about that, but then I can remember early on when, you know, Hattie was just a couple years old, like you're saying, you know, those I don't know. They say terrible twos, but I think it's horrible threes too. So, but I just remember every, nothing was working, right? The traditional things were not working. The timeout wasn't working. And I, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I've never, I've not shared this with many people outside of my household, but I can remember one time she was little and she turned around with her backside and she stuck her butt, her booty out. She goes, spank my booty, spank my booty and thought it was a game. And I was like, okay, mommy's going to need to go in the other room for a minute. So I just had to go in the other room and take some deep breaths and say, okay, what you're doing is not working <laughs> because it, it wasn't working with her. And I, it's funny. Cause I even went and, and, you know, tried to find a book on a strong willed child. Like I was like, she just, she has such a vibrant personality. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, what have we gotten ourselves into? Because we, too, have been together a long time. We met in, in high school and got married in college, but Aww. we didn't have her till we were in our late 30s. And so everybody said, oh, well, when you're, when, you're, when you're older, you'll be so much more patient. Not really. You still don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I love what my mom says. She says, every stage, right when you think you figured things out, okay, it's going to shift and there's going to be a new thing that's going to, you know, they're going to continue to evolve because they're people, right? So they're going to go into the preteen and all this. She's like, so don't get too attached because you're going to figure it out and then it's going to change and you're going to have to adjust again. <laughs> I don't know if that was comforting or not, but you're I was right. like, okay, well, so this is an evolving thing, this whole parenting thing. And it's just, it's not easy, right? I mean, it's just not an easy journey, but we want our kids to be independent and successful. And, you know, so I love the, the work that you're following because it makes sense to me. I think sometimes it's this for families to have that aha moment of, Oh, so this is normal. Like this happens, but people don't talk about it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's normalizing that, that pushback right. is going to come. Right. And being able, being able to look at it and say, okay, this is what's going on. This is this type of misbehavior, or this is the need that is not being filled, that my daughter is actively trying to get filled in whatever way she can, whatever way, this is what is tricky and I think stings to parents is whatever way often has been modeled to her, right? <laughs> A reflection. So it's like what yeah. she's watched us do. Yes, what she's watched us do to feel powerful. What she's done, what she's watched us do to take care of ourselves when we feel hurt. Like they often just mimic what's been done. And that, that can be hard to hear, but it also is for me, it's very enlightened. It's very um, optimistic because we, I believe are the only ones we have true power mm -hmm. over. Like you, we were not designed to control other human beings. And it is, that is like where mm -hmm. I started to go wrong was I thought if I just like, I, that classic parenting statement, you just need to get control <laughs> of your kid. 
well, it's such, mm-hmm. it's such BS. It's like, it's no, like it mm-hmm. drives you insane when you think that you have to control another human being and that your actions can control another human being. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of like the yeah. cultural stuff that gets passed down from generations to generations, it ends up ripping families apart because um, you just, especially the strong-willed kids, they literally start to come out of their skin if they feel like they're being controlled. So instead, when you have this understanding and, and you can say to yourself, oh, okay, this is not personal. My child is not trying to be naughty or disobedient or push my buttons. They just have a really, really strong desire to feel powerful. They're probably our next um, one of, you know, the next generation. They are part of the a generation of the next leaders mm-hmm. that, you know, at, um, it's with the H, right? Hattie. 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 Yeah. Hattie and my Stella. They could, you know, they're probably going to be able to walk on stages a lot easier than maybe some other kids in their class or, or lead a movement that might be out side of the box when everybody else is a little nervous too, or go with, could just go with the flow because it's easier. Like our girls will probably, um, when they're mentored correctly, uh, you know, with, with, again, with compassion and ways that build them up instead of making them just feel like they're something's wrong with them. They, they, they are the ones who have that ability and that strong voice, that tenacity, that persistence, um, that really the world needs. You know, I always say, like, I like to call power kids, strong willed kids, um, even sensitive kids, which I think, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of a lot of your moms that are listening would say, you know, my kids sensitive, they are, um, they love to feel powerful. All of these yeah. these traits often go together. Mm-hmm. I, I what I found in my work is, but the world needs. So I like to call them cactus kids because they're they're they can be a little sharp. They're like a little, you know, it takes extra care to move them around, so to speak, in a garden. Um, but the world needs cacti. Like the world can't be filled with like all little daisies and orchids and la la la. It's like, no, we need like really strong cacti that serve a purpose. And that's what our strong willed power kids do. And, um, but when you, when you have the ability to see them like, Oh, this is healthy. This is not personal. Mm -hmm. This is, this is just them figuring out like how to feel powerful. This is them figuring out how to do this thing called life, which by the way, we're all figuring out how to do this thing called we call life. I really believe that our children um, often are our greatest teachers and it's only if we allow them to be, because a lot of times we'll put the block on that and and we miss out on some beautiful lessons that they have the courage to actually bring to the, bring to the light, so to speak. Yeah. Kind of that, what normal culture would call ugliness. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't see it as ugliness. I see it as like, ah, there's a beautiful lesson to be learned here, or there's growth to be had, or, there, or there's a generational cycle to be dropped that does not need to be carried on. Mm-hmm. The screaming, the yelling, mm-hmm. the disconnection in families, like, that doesn't need to keep going. Yeah. Like you can find help. You can find a different way. And, and there's, that's, what's so cool now is like, we have this beautiful access to information across mm-hmm. the world, right? Like you got to get your hands on some internet, which I understand, um, you know, does cost money for sure. But at the same time, it's, it's crazy. The amount of even free information, right. like listeners right. right now are tapping into, um, and you can start your journey to really do things different. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, you said that, that, stuck with me too, is that I have found with my work too, with, you were talking about sensitive as in, in that group. And, yep. you know, I've talked to lots of moms because we were experiencing the same thing, which is I have found with working with my daughter and learning more about dyslexia 
and it's ironic because my mine and my husband's background is in education and I was a school counselor and then that, and then I went to law school. So now I'm an attorney. And so I have a lot of different background. I was an elementary ed major, but I didn't know a lot wow. about dyslexia. Like it was, and my husband has a master's in special ed. I'm like, why don't we know? Like we, we just didn't, it, it just, it was so, so unfortunate. Cause once you get in that world, there's just so much to learn and so much amazing things. But part of that was I did not realize, and I've even talked to some teachers at my daughter's school because she goes to a school for dyslexics, that that sensitivity piece, like they have, because their brain works a certain way, many dyslexics are so in tune with their emotions, but very strong emotions. Like we might say something, I don't want to say trigger, but it feels like we trigger her, no, not intentionally, but we'll say something and she has such strong emotions about it. And uh, we recently lost a pet and I was talking to a teacher, the chaplain about it. And he said, you know what? I too am very strong. Like I too have very strong emotions and sensitivity. So I understand what you're saying about how she's feeling, but it can be a very small thing even like she's very invested, but she's like, I don't know how to, she realizes too that she has what she calls a big heart. And so I talked to a couple of other moms, particularly that had daughters and they were like, Oh yeah. Like, have you read, there is some research that says that dyslexics have a high level of empathy, but that's why they're so successful as adults. So when you said that, it also, I thought about that, that piece of that, because that does give a different layer to that cactus, right? Or a different thorn that we have to be aware of. And I love that analogy of those, the cactus kids. I love that. Um, but, you know, just wanted to say that because moms that might be listening that might not realize that's part of this dyslexia, this part of this journey is because their brains think so differently they really do feel differently. They are sensitive or, or have high empathy. And for some, that is just part of who they are. And I don't think at the beginning, I realized that, right? Like you just evolve into that. And so um, even if your kids are strong-willed, it doesn't mean they don't have strong empathy for others. And, and, you know, even, you know, objects in your home, like she's like, I can't get rid of that. I'm like that you had that when you were three, but mom, I can't get rid of that. (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah, it's true. Like strength in any area is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that, you know, there aren't, there aren't mistakes and they have, you know, our kids all have beautiful aspects to them that we can have a hard time understanding. But if you just can focus on staying in that, like seeking to understand mode, mm-hmm. I love that. instead of like, oh, why can't you just be different? Why can't you just if we could just find this, then you'll, you'll kind of fit the mold and then life will be easier. It's like, just keep seeking to understand because what I think, what I have found is that once I leaned into that over the years, I discovered there's like all this beauty behind it that yeah, some other kids might not have. And, and it's not about like, you know, one being better than the other. It's just being able to like, you know, just relish in the, the cool aspects that, because they, of of your child, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, it, there's you can look at it one way or another, right? Like you, we always are at choice. Is the way I see it. Like you can see it as like ah, oh, that's that's so. I was just talking to a, a mom on the block last night. She was saying how her little boy at three, I think he's four now. She was saying just like how hard it is because he's so sensitive, right? Like you hear that come from moms a lot, especially boy moms. Like oh my gosh, like he's so sensitive, like he'll just start crying. And I was telling her what a gift that is. Yeah. We need more men in our world that have tender hearts right. and to like start teaching this little boy that 
Um, that is a skill set. That is like a, a strength mm -hmm. to have a tender heart. Um, just yesterday, she said he, they were driving and she looked back and he's like crying because he misses his grandparents. Mm. And so we just started, you know, it's just casually on the, the block was telling her, you know, that just means he has, he cares right. so much. Right. Like the sadness is an emotion that, that often will show you how much you care. Right. Like I've never, mm -hmm. just a, we, we lost a pet to a, um, it's been actually a few years now, but I always tell the story when I talk about sadness is because man, I haven't experienced grief like that. It, it's it sounds awful, but if he, that it was, <laughs> it was the biggest, like I, for weeks yeah. would just be like, oh my gosh. And because, you know, of the life, life coaching side of things, I just always was like, wow, this is so cool because this intense sadness, I remember I would be swimming laps and I would just be like bawling. And I'm like, God, I loved him so much. Like the love was insane for tank. Like we, he had done life with us for 15 years. Like both of our babies, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, just, right. but it, it, sadness is, is an emotion that just shows how big your heart is, how much you care. So, right. and I think we have to be careful with, too, to, you know, especially with the boys, be careful to say, oh, we'll just push that emotion down. Like we don't want them to internalize that and not show it and be able to express it and talk about it. And I think at least for me, from the generation I came from that, that was how most parents reacted. Oh, we don't know. We don't talk about that. And so yeah. I think it's such an incredible opportunity to really parent our children differently, you know, so they can, you know, have be more connected with their emotions and their feelings and be able to be more compassionate with their families and the people that work with them or work for them or whatever that might look like. So, um, yeah, but when you're in the middle of it and they're two and three, <laughs> you think, how long oh is this God. stage going to last? <laughs> how long is this season going to be? So I can relate to the, to your neighbor, but too, it's, you know, it's not, um, it's tough in the moment, but it's also, you know, an important part of life. And, uh, you know, it is amazing because, you know, many children aren't able to express how they're feeling. So to be able yeah. to have that, um, you know, and, and we figure out a way as parents to nurture that. So when, oh you, my goodness. so when you talk about power kids, if someone's listening and they go, she said power kids, how do you define that for people? Do you define that as a strong-willed child or how do you look at that when you think, cause you use that term quite a bit in your work, power kids. How would you define that for someone? So those are the kids that, you know, that, so when it comes to seeking power, any, any child that is actively seeking to feel powerful is a child who is just wanting to feel powerful. And, and what we learn in this work is that it's not a bad thing. So those of us who have the power kids, I, or the cactus kids or strong-willed kids, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them, um, is oftentimes we think we can feel that from birth. We can like, I swear, Stella, when she was like a baby, you could feel like her strength, she held her head up high. And just from a very young age, she was like, just mus like kind of muscular. And whereas like we would hold her our friends babies and they were just kind of like a tub of goo they were like oh look at this baby but Stella I swear you could feel this inside of her from very young and then there's also just you know every every all of us have kids who go through power surge stages of life so but between the ages of two and six all kids are going to go through power surges where they're developing their autonomy. They're seeking to um, have more independence. 
they're starting to understand like how to express and push boundaries. This is normal, healthy behavior. It's a good sign that your kid is developing in a healthy way. And then also the second power surge stage of life is like the tween and teen years. So those are like, everybody should expect that. And then again, those of us who get blessed with these incredible strong-willed or power kids, you're going to feel that more as like an undercurrent of life. Like with Stella, so I have two kids, 13 and 10 with Stella, for example, most times when she misbehaves, it's a power seeking category of misbehavior. With my little guy, he's more like when he dips down into misbehavior, because even someone who's been teaching this for almost a decade now, my kids are normal, right? Like we always tell parents, like when you really entrench yourself in learning and, and start to become fluent with positive parenting, you're not expecting perfection in your home with your kids or yourself. You are just stacked with how to deal with it with integrity. So you're not dealing with the same misbehaviors over and over again, which often happens with the classic kind of stack of tools, so to speak. Um, behaviors actually never go away. Misbehaviors never go away. Kids just become really good at hiding them or lying or doing it behind your back. But back to Stella, like she'll, most of her misbehaviors are, are the power ones. And then Taryn's mostly like he'll dip down into attention misbehavior or sometimes inadequacy every once in a while revenge. But Stella, for the most part, every single misbehavior is power driven. And so over the years, like, I can't imagine if we would have never truly understood like, oh, she's just seeking to feel powerful here. She's, it's not just yesterday. We baked um, cookies and we had a moment where um, she wanted to do everything on her own. And she was like, gosh, I wish this was a competition because there was like a few neighbors. They were going to put mm -hmm. cookies out front and like everyone could just kind of, you know, share whatever, just not like we we're trying to stay safe, of course, at the time of this recording, it's COVID. Um, but it was, she, and it was just a friendly, you know, let's have, let's make some cookies on a Sunday. And Stella was like, gosh, I wish this was a competition. <laughs> It's because power kids are often very competitive. And so I was just laughing at her and we got into like a little moment of a disagreement and I had to remind myself like, this is not personal. This is not against me. Like she doesn't want to have me not touch her cookie batter or not help with her cookies because she thinks I'm stupid or she's annoyed or, you know, teens go into that a lot. Like, mom, you're embarrassing or you're not doing it right. But I had to see like, it's just, her. she wants to own the power around these cookies. So when she finishes these cookies, it's going to be like world checkout my project. Like I did this <laughs> and they love kids love like power kids love that. So, um, yeah, it's the biggest thing is just that they have a really big need to feel powerful. Whereas other kids probably have a little bit smaller of a bucket. So I like to think of it as buckets as far as like visually that helps me. Um, and again, there's all those needs, all kids have it belonging, power, love, but power kids have a, like all day long, they are actively seeking, where can I feel powerful? Right. Wow. That, that's, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that because that helps, I think, a lot to, to see that. And I love the, the different places that you talk about, the power surges and just the undercurrent. And just, I love the whole part of just seeking to understand. Like that to me is very powerful as yeah. well. So one of the things that you share in your community that I thought was, I've, I've seen this several different places and I really think it's a powerful kind of strategy to use in your home. It really builds relationships because I'm, I talk a lot about building and connecting relationships with your children and your family. And so one of the things that you talk about is 
the family meeting. And I know you shared that with your community, especially, you know, as we're recording this, we're still in the, the midst of COVID, not quite as locked down as before, but who knows what's going to happen around the corner. But here in Atlanta, we have, uh, like my daughter's face-to-face, but she has a really small school, but others are doing a hybrid. Some are still opting for virtual. I mean, there's just, it looks different for everybody, okay? That, I guess, is the easiest way to say, which I'm sure you can understand. So I do feel like that the family meeting is still very dynamic and very, you know, very useful right now in the stages. And as we record this in December and plan to release in January. What a great time to, to have some reflection on what's, what does this look like in our home right now? And I think it's a great opportunity to start implementing uh, a family meeting. So can we talk a little bit about, you know, the goals or, or why would someone have, like why as a parent would I consider having a family meeting? What do you think are the positives of that? Yeah. So family meetings are good in any season. They really, like your, your level of peace, joy, and smoothness in a home is like, for sure going to go way up if you can get consistent. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Even as a positive parenting educator, I struggle with the consistency. So easier said than done. Right. But like, you know, perfect world every Mm -hmm. Sunday night, you want to sit down and just be like, Hey, or Friday night, Friday night, Sunday night, whatever you want to do. Because the the thing with, with family meetings is you want to make them fun. Like they're not supposed to be a drag mm-hmm. again, easier said than done because the mistake, a lot of, yeah, a lot, the mistake a lot of parents make, including myself. Uh, I, I, we had a great family meeting a few weeks ago, but I did kind of come to the table and with this tone of like, we need to talk. <laughs> not like a work <laughs> <So> meeting, huh? <laughs> you'll have less success. So, um, but when you come to the table right. and you say, okay, guys, we need to have a family meeting. Um, it's Friday night. Like let's make ice cream Sundays or <laughs> or after we're finished, we're going to watch a movie and we can pop popcorn. Yeah. And first we need to have our family meeting. So let's look at what we have before us during the week. Let's look at some, some, um, important things that we need to discuss. And again, this can be with kids of any ages. Now, if you have little ones, they don't have to sit down. Don't make this so rigid. Like you, they can be jumping on a little mini trampoline next to you. They can be playing with Play-Doh, like keep their little hands busy. Um, but you just want to go over the big things that you need to work as a team on to have mm-hmm. peace and joy in your home over the next week or so. So, um, and that can be the big things that you've written in your journal, man, we need to talk about this, or this is a reoccurring problem. Every night at bedtime, this happens, or every time, you know, it seems like every day we're rushing to get to school. And by the time we get in the car, we've been bickering for 10 minutes or something like let's talk about this. It's a great place to make agreements. Mm-hmm. Agreements is part of my um, four-step firm and kind process. That is part of our, our newest program here at Fresh Start Family. It's called the Firm mm-hmm. and Kind Parenting Blueprint. I'm sure you can put the, the link in the show notes, Nicole, but it's a very affordable $27 program that teaches parents like how to set firm rules and boundaries and then follow through with consistency and connection. And one of the first steps is creating those proactive agreements, which are different than compliance statements. So compliance statements are like, okay, if you were at a family meeting, all right, I need you to listen up kids this week. You will not Mm -hmm. talk back. Nobody will talk back. Do you understand? Like, do you hear me loud and clear? Um, Do we have an agreement? No, that's not an agreement. That is a statement and kids will be like, yeah. And, uh, you know, probably <laughs> they're going to wait for you to hold up your fear and force wand, um, for them to actually listen. A proactive agreement is like, <laughs> Hey guys, 
There's been a lot this week where I think I've seen you guys talk to me disrespectfully. You've talked disrespectfully amongst each other. And (laughs) I've even talked disrespectfully to you. And we need, we need to stop that because that's, that's not how our family operates. That's not who we are. That's not who we were designed to be. And I know it doesn't feel good for you. And it doesn't feel good for me at the end of the day, when we lay our head on our pillow, when we've spoken to people like that. So we're today at our family meeting, we're going to make an agreement that we are going to take a deep breath and walk outside or do whatever we need to do. You would mentor them on this, Nicole. Um, This is what we, we practice calm, calming, um, calm down time or calming bags or self-calming, um, very, very different than the traditional timeouts. But this week, let's make an agreement that we all are going to um, try to practice self-calming and self-regulation when we're tempted to say something disrespectful to each other. Does that make sense to you? And this is what my plan is, kids. This is where I'm going to keep my calming bag. I have my Bible. I have a candle. I have a magazine. I have my running shoes to remind me that sometimes I just need to go out in the backyard. Nature soothes all of our souls. So this is kind of part of what I'm going to do. And then let's make an agreement. Is is everyone in? Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. What's our agreement again? Um, And then you kind of have everybody repeat it, but then, then you would go into the other four steps once, once people like once Tuesday comes and someone starts speaking disrespectfully, you can be like, Oh, wait a second. Now, and you go right into the next three steps, which are empathy, you restate the, restate the agreement, and then you give choices. And again, I go into more detail into that program. But um, so yeah, family meetings are, are a great way to, to make proactive agreements. And then just remind your kids that you're on the same team. It's not like a dictatorship. That's not the way we run our families. Um, and, and teamwork helps our children feel like they belong. And when our kids feel like they belong, their misbehavior will go down. And also it helps them to feel powerful because those of us who have power kids, um, and again, all kids have a strong desire to feel powerful, all humans do. But when they are contributing like active members of the family, they will push back less. And do you find it's better to focus on like, like I could just see that, oh, all these things are going wrong. So we're going to talk about 10 things. Is it better when you're starting out to focus on, you know, the, what you have identified to be the most pressing piece that we should start with and do that for a week or two till that kind of gets to be yeah. more of a routine than trying to say, okay, we're going to do these four things. And so the kids are like, it's just, I mean, depending on your family dynamics and depending on your children, I know it would be different for each family, but I just want to give them a little nugget on where should they start? Because it seems like, how are you going to be successful if you set too many things up for you to manage or try to figure out and then for you to kind of mentor with your kids? And so I love what you were saying, because it seems like if you kind of, well, they say start small and kind of grow, is that something you recommend is to kind of choose something that's... It's a sign that you're probably like trying to do it all at once. It's like letting the house get destroyed. Like we did when we made cookies last night. (laughs) Right. The kitchen was destroyed. And then all of us looked at it and we were like, whoa, this is so overwhelming. Like, I can't even deal with this, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a sign that, yeah, you don't want to let it stack up till it gets like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, start small. Don't think you can accomplish everything, especially if you have little ones, because you're just going to lose them and then you're going to get frustrated. Um, So put, make a quick outline. What are the most important things that we want to talk about? What's, you know, where's dad going this week? What busy project is mom managing? How can we support one another? Is Mm -hmm essence of the family meeting. Okay. Yeah. That was what I was wanting to get to too. So that's helpful to see kind of what is our, you know, what is, 
I guess more of a purpose maybe when I think about and explaining to others. Yeah. Celebration. Huh? Celebration. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like someone, um, you know, like my, my daughter plays beach volleyball a few weeks ago. She had her first um, tournament. They're still, they're still playing in COVID. I'm like, oh my oh, wow. God. yeah, they have, they have to wear masks, but, um, but yeah, she had her first tournament. She was undefeated. So it can be a great place to celebrate things. Yeah. All, even Absolutely. if you know, was nervous about a science test and uh-huh. did it and they didn't fail. Right. It's not right. About- right. All those pieces. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that too. Cause you're, you're also wrapping in it and acknowledging the great stuff that the family is doing. So I love that piece too. And I love that. So with the consistency, you say weekly is the best you found to, if, if possible to try to stay on a weekly schedule. I know, um, I guess it was about two weeks ago. We had a, a, a kind of more of an impromptu family meeting, but um, because of COVID, we're not going to travel to see family and my daughter's nine. And so she was really looking forward to seeing her cousins. And so we really had to have a lot of conversation, but I wanted her to really understand. And we had a little scare at Thanksgiving. She had a little virus, but they said that because she was face to face, they needed to test her. So that was her first COVID test, but they had us quarantine her for the week of Thanksgiving. Like we didn't get our test results back for five days. And so by the day three, she was great at the beginning, but by day like three, she was like, so, I mean, and so that's been recent. So I think that was helpful because we were able to reflect on what that experience was like for our family. And, you know, we we talked about traveling and stopping at gas stations and staying at hotels and where do we eat? And logistically, there was just a lot of pieces. And then my mom lives with us and we were like, we just, it's just too big of a risk. So I think after her having that experience, we were able to have some real conversations. Now, even yesterday, she said, I really miss my cousins. I hate we can't go. Like, she's still sad about that. But we gave space for that instead of just saying, well, we're just not going. You know, I, we sat down and had it. I said, we need to all sit down. I, my mom was there. We included her and we just had a conversation. I said, let's just talk through what we just experienced. It wasn't a great, I mean, luckily for us, she was negative. It was just they, you know, we, we didn't think she was positive. You know, we didn't, had not been around anybody, but it was just part of the world we live in right now. So I think that, you know, finding space for that though, to sit down as a family and have that timely conversation, um, you know, was helpful because although she wasn't happy about it, we could all have conversations about why we thought that was the best right now for our family. And we know we will see them again, right? It's just right now they FaceTime each other and play games and do things together. But, you know, just being in the room is different. So, um, so, but, you know, something you, you mentioned, um, that made me think of something, Nicole, that I want to, um, say is that it's so cool how I think when we have a family unit where you can sit down and talk about things, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's, coming to the table about what you learned from an experience or, and, or making amends, the ability to repair relationships and make amends is one of my favorite parts of this work, because it's like, I think back many of us, when we grew up, there'd be like hard situations or there'd be, you know, I don't know, family visits that would you know, with cousins or grandparents, that something might happen, you know, where you're like, oh my gosh, that was hard. Or, (laughs) or like there'd be big arguments where people would yell and scream. And, and then the next day you'd sit down and be like, okay, let's just move on with life. Like let's, we're done with that. And and I, for me, looking back on it, I was always like, that's weird. (laughs) Like that (laughs) doesn't feel right. Like that, Mm -hmm. there was never the ability to make amends. There was never the ability to sit down and talk about things and say, here's what happened last night or last week or last month. 
What did we learn from it? Where are some areas we can clean up? Like what are some, you know, things that we can each take responsibility for? We can show up with a humble heart and do things differently tomorrow or make some tweaks and adjustments or um, do some makeups um, if there was an argument or something that went wrong. Um, but it's so beautiful. And that's another reason why like just sitting down or if, again, if you have little kids, you don't have to sit down, so to speak. You can do this when you throw a football with your son or um, take a walk with your kids. Um, but it's it's just something that I love about this work is that that's that's a big part of it. Like there doesn't need to be perfection. There can be like, what did we learn from this? How are we going to make next week a little bit easier with the given circumstances? Or, you know, how are we going to clean this up? How are we going to repair the relationship? How are we going to make amends? I just love that about positive parenting. Yeah. And I love that you're as the, as the parent, you're more of the guide and you're also modeling and mentoring. So hopefully when they have families, they're able to have more of an open dialogue with their families and have conversation. And, you know, for so long at the beginning, anyway, you know, kids think that we're perfect or we're your mom and we're not, and we're trying to figure this thing out too. So yeah. I think there's something powerful to say, you know what, I, I shouldn't have said that, or I lost my temper or, you know, I, I, I realized that you had a feeling that I didn't acknowledge or whatever it might be. So I think that's so powerful for our kids to see because many of us didn't grow up like that. It was just, this is how it is. Go to your room if you don't like it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was like, this is it's because I said so. That's why, you know, that was, exactly. that was the answer because I said so. So if I try this and I'm like, okay, that was a crash and burn. I mean, I want to encourage people to continue to try, right? Cause that was one of your big things too, is that yeah. it's not going to be right the first time probably. And it may crash and burn on the sixth time, but it's like with anything else, that consistency piece. So what, how would you encourage people on that piece? Because I don't want people to try it and go, Ooh, cause it's going to feel different for every family, right? And every family meeting in each household may look a little different as to what your family needs at that particular time or, or what they consider as a fun activity and how they can bond and do things. And so is that one of the things you talk about a good bit when people ask you about the family meetings? Is that not only the consistency, but don't just throw your hands up and give up too soon. Yes. Yes. Okay. With anything in public, right. <laughs> with anything, what my experience has been is that you actually will probably fail a few times. Not like if it's, it's when and how bad, how crash and burn is it going to be? <laughs> so, and that's okay. Like that's, we want to expect that because is unnatural. Like I did not grow up in a home where my parents had family meetings with me and my brother every week. We did not really honestly talk about a lot. We didn't talk about emotions. We didn't talk about making amends. We didn't talk about fears. We didn't talk about hurts. Like there, you know, you just did life. You did your best and you moved on. Right. So now yes. if I'm a, if I'm a mom who's learned, who's, who's hearing this and I'm like, Oh, cool. That sounds awesome. I want to implement that. You do some education, you get a good plan, and then you go to do it. It's the first time you're ever doing this with other human beings who it's their first time ever doing this, right? So you just got to expect that it's going to be a little bit rocky. And then you have to, again, note, you have a choice when you come out of this, say, say you sit down or, or you allocate a half hour, hour. And at the end, like maybe let's say if it, it's a failure in air quotes, um, maybe someone got an attitude, someone wouldn't sit still, 
um, you kind of freaked out and lost your temper and you're like, forget it. Like, you know, we'll just <laughs> fine. I'll just, I'll go back to like taking your iPad away if you don't listen. Right. And then everyone storms off. That's actually in my eyes, not a failure because you tried. Like there mm-hmm. are so many people who will never, ever try something because they're scared that they'll fail. Just, um, yesterday, I think it was uh, a few days ago, I was talking to my membership group about Sarah Blakely, who is the founder um, of Spanx. (laughs) She's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. She's, I I think like that company is, is killing it as far as like, she's top 10 something in the world now. Like she's amazing, but she had a dad who was very, very adamant about celebrating failures because really there is no failure. Right. So her dad, like for example, when she wouldn't make um, the cheerleading team, he would like take her out to dinner and they would celebrate because he celebrated the fact that she had the courage to try. To try. Yeah. So, so many families will never, they'll just keep doing the same exact thing that was always mm-hmm. done, which again, that, that is an example of a painful generational cycle. And that's something that's one of my specialties in my work is that I love to help families end painful generational cycles so they can create family legacies of their dreams. And that's not all like painful generational cycles people think is like, it's just like if you were, you know, physically or sexually abused or verbally abused, well, disconnection and silence and not being able to talk about emotions or make amends or repair relationships after, um, you know, difficult situations. That's an example to me of a painful generational cycle. Like, and I definitely saw that in my own family is they just never were given the tools or the mentorship mm-hmm. that if they got into a fight with their sister and things got really ugly and hurtful things were said, that's it. Like you just mm-hmm. end their relationship. You're done. Like literally happened in my family. My mom does not talk to her sister. So it's like, dang, that is not like, that's, you know, we want to have the courage to try to do it differently and that's going to be messy. So it's, you know, so instead at the end, end of a, of a situation that didn't go perfectly, you know, I want you to journal, like, here's what did go well. Here's what I did notice. Um, the kids loved their Sundays. (laughs) We had ice cream Sundays. Now the problem was as soon as the ice cream Sundays were done, they just wanted to go play in the backyard and they didn't want to sit and listen anymore, but that worked, right? So maybe next time we do 10 minutes first of, of talking and then we get the Sundays and then that'll give me a little bit more time to help them to sit there or whatever it may be. But you want to look at what did work well, what mm-hmm. did they respond to well, and what can I do differently next time? Um, what maybe what time of day can I have it? Maybe it's you do it Saturday morning instead of like Sunday night when everyone's tired and exhausted and bummed that they have to go to school on Monday morning and go to work. Like <laughs> right. Sunday blues is real, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so there is no failure, you guys. There really is no failure. It's all in how you see it. And you have to have the bravery and the courage to try again. And it gets easier over time. Like, For me, um, and to give you an example of that, for me, when I learned this work, so obviously you hear me speaking about positive parenting curriculum, or if you were to hear me coach within my my membership group, when I coach my my families that I work with, you're like, wow, Wendy, Wendy like knows her stuff, right? Like I could, you could give me a misbehavior of any child and I could rattle off a gazillion things you could do. And I could like, really am confident I could help find success with redirecting that misbehavior pretty fast. But here's what I want you to hear is that it took me, I went to the redirecting children's behavior class for, I went eight times. So my kids were in preschool. 
uh, three years apart. They were at this little preschool for, I think, four years combined, four or five years combined. And I went to that class for three and a half years. I kept going back because mm -hmm. I would come home and the, the assignment was, you know, the tools, so to speak, was yeah. like, how about you take a deep breath before, <laughs> you know, instead of reacting like a volcano, uh, how mm -hmm. about you practice a pause button or a heart connector where you put your hand on your heart, you take a deep breath, you think of a healthy intention, and then you respond, right? Like, and I would go home <laughs> and it was like, oh, that was a failure. I said I wasn't going to yell. And by 8 a.m., here I am screaming as soon as Stella spills her milk or pulls the dog's tail. And so I kept going back because I had such a beautiful, stubborn heart. And I was like, <laughs> I will get this. I right. will get this. But it took me almost four years till I was like, okay, I feel like I'm pretty darn fluent. Now I want to go ahead and get certified and teach others. Um, but it, you just got to keep showing up and keep trying again and you will have success. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. I love that. All right. So let's talk about in January, you're going to be opening up a five day challenge. So tell us a little bit about that and what to expect. And we'll put those links in the show notes for anyone that might be interested. So I'm excited to hear what you have planned. Yay! This is my favorite time of years, families. So in January, the five-day Fresh Start Parenting Challenge is happening. It'll take place the last week of January. So um, it starts on a Monday and it goes through Friday. And this is a great place um, and chance for families just to come learn with me for free. So the way it works, the reason why I call it a challenge is because a lot of families who have never stepped in to learn about positive parenting, it can seem a little daunting. It can be like, I don't know, parenting class. Like, is that really something I want to like just put into my schedule for the day? Like <laughs> it just feels like a lot. And the way I break it down is um, the challenge is to actually get through all five days and to accomplish the goal of finishing a positive parenting course. And it's a mini course, but when you sign up um, every morning inside your email inbox, you'll get uh, delivered uh, a short but powerful positive parenting lesson that'll teach you a very focused subject matter. And then I also do live, um, like I, I show up live in the private group every day. And then at the end on that Friday, we celebrate together that you've gotten through all five days because again, they're short 10 minute lessons. Like you can do this no matter how busy you are. And then we celebrate on day five. And I find that it just, it helps parents get into the work it lays that foundation of understanding what is this actually all about, positive parenting? How can I get some fast results in my home so I can see the power of these tools? Right. And then um, it's just a great way to kick off the new year um, with great intention in your parenting walk. I love that. That's, it sounds like a great opportunity. I look forward to, to learning along beside you. So that's great. I can't wait to see that. So yeah. let me ask you this. I'm sure so you, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sure you'll put that. I forgot to tell you the um, registration page is over on the website and I think okay. you'll put the show notes um, registration yeah, link. Yeah, we'll link all that up on the show notes for you. Yeah, that's no problem. So if anybody that may be interested in, in learning more and seeing if this is the work that they're interested in, then they can definitely jump in and do that week and see how that feels. Uh, but it sounds like an amazing opportunity. So thank you for offering that. And then I want to ask you, you know, thinking back, it may be different today if you were to, because obviously you do this work now, you know, as your business, but if you think back when, you know, early on, what were some of the, what was maybe a piece of best advice that you received as a mom that you're like, wow, 
that you would like to share with others, not necessarily based on, you know, the work that you do now, but just, you know, something that you heard or something that was told to you early on that's really kind of stuck with you. One of the best pieces of advice I have ever gotten is to trust the humanity in my children. So I remember back in the day when Stella was little and I would spend so much time with my dear friend. She's become a dear friend now. Her name's Susie Walton. She's the founder of The Joy of Parenting. And she was my coach um, when it came to parenting for years and years and years. Um, but she, you know, I would come into class and I would just be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like this is, you know, it, it may work for other kids, but my Stella, man, she is like, a piece of work, or I wish you could come to my house and see, you know, see what's really going on. And Susie would just always look at me and say, I know, I know, I hear you. And you got to trust me. And you got to trust in the humanity of your little girl. She's going to be okay. She is figuring out how to do this thing called life. And um, she's not just going to be okay. She's going to be great. And I have carried that with me um, forever. And I rely on it a lot in my head because there are those moments in parenting where you just think, gosh, I, you know, I need to step in here and, and I should know more. Or if I just knew how to do this better or how to redirect better or how to, to um, you know, X, Y, and Z. But really, it's like we just have to trust that our kids are on a journey. It's their journey and um, that there's something beautiful that is developing within them if we can just trust and hold space a little bit more. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. That's, that's very mm -hmm. helpful. I appreciate that. that I've, I've not heard that before, so I love that. That's great. So where can uh, families connect with you? I'll put some links in the show notes, but if someone just wants to jump right in, where can someone follow you for a Fresh Start Family? Where can you know, where are all the places that you're at? Um, and then I'll put the, the actual links in the show notes, but you know, if they were just, you know, in their favorite social, where would they look for you? <laughs> yes. My favorite social is Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy and, um, I'm also on Facebook, Fresh Start Family. And then yeah, the website, freshstartfamilyonline.com on the homepage. I always have some type of freebie. So parents can grab, um, most of the time I have um, the free guide to raising strong little kids with integrity. It's a PDF. It's a worksheet. You can really kind of start to brainstorm some prompts that I give you that'll help you be more creative and, and intentional with how you work with those, those strong willed kids. So that's usually there. And then when the challenge, when it comes time for the challenge every January, I switch that out and that's where you can register and save your seat to be part of that five day challenge too. So freshstartfamilyonline.com. And then the podcast over on iTunes um, is the Fresh Start Family Show. So find us there too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. I appreciate you spending time with us here in the holidays. And I look forward to connecting and continuing to follow your work. And I just, I'm, I'm excited to share your work with, um, with our group and our community. So thank you very much. You are so welcome. Well, thanks for reaching out. It's been so much fun chatting with you. And I'll look forward to connecting with your listeners more. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. Visit dyslexiamomlife.com to learn more about Wendy and find out how to register for her free five-day parenting challenge. That parenting challenge starts on Monday, January 25th, 2021. I also created an ebook to help you get started on your family meeting. You can grab both of these at the dyslexiamomlife.com website. Have a great week and remember, you got this.